Let's talk about 21 days of fasting and prayer, okay? We'll start. What, what is a fast, guys? Um, i got to be honest with you. A lot of people have said, you know, well, I'm going to fast social media, and that's good. I'm going to fast... Um, I'm going, to, I'm going to fast this habit that I have. I'm going to fast going to the gym. Don't do that. I'm going to fast something. Well, listen, a fast is really, it has to do with food. So I, let's just cut to the chase, because I'm not going to talk all about fasting today. We're actually going to talk, get a message for you. If we're going to fast and pray, then we have to give something up. And, and I'm not saying fasting totally for 21 days. I, I think uh, you'd have to hear from God to do that. But maybe a food item. And I want to give you some, some ideas of what you can fast. You can do, uh, for the food part, a Daniel fast. A Daniel fast is where you get rid of all the rich stuff. And, and maybe you get rid of the meat and you just eat vegetables and water and coffee and whatnot. That's not my kind of fast, but I, I do a Jewish fast, which is a, a Jewish fast is from sunup until sundown. In other words, I, I, I do without food from sunrise to sunset. And I'm going to tell you a secret. I never do a Jewish fast in the summer because it's 12, it's 12 to 14 hours of daylight. I do them in the winter when it's only eight hours. But th that's a good time because, you know, when I get up in the morning, I'm able to go right into the Word of God and right into prayer, and it's easy for me to be busy and to skip lunch. But fasting isn't just about skipping food. One, one other way you can do it is maybe not snacking. Maybe you're going to give up caffeine Maybe you're going to give up meat. Maybe you're going to give <clears throat> sweets and sugar. Maybe you'll give up salt. or Maybe you're going to give up something that doesn't have to do with food as well. Maybe, maybe alcohol. If you're married, maybe you're going to give up sex for 21 days. Actually, that's in the Bible. If you're going to, maybe you're going to give up social media, uh, negative gossip, entertainment, electronics, streaming, secular music, video games. Now, fasting is giving something up. So we'll give up a food item or a time period of food daily, okay? And then there's, there's a fasting you could do for the mind, which is like giving up social media, maybe not being on Facebook, maybe not streaming uh, shows during the 21 days. That's a big one for some people. But that way you're able to, to give your mind to the Lord. But a fast without prayer and worship is only a diet, and we're not dieting for 21 days, okay? This isn't about losing weight. If we lose weight, that's just a byproduct of it. But fasting is setting yourself apart to God in maybe a deeper way. We call it consecration. We call it purification. In other words, you center yourself in the Lord daily. And so what we're going to suggest you do is you take a, a period of time, you designate it every day, that you're going to spend praying that you don't pray now. Here's a real easy way to do it. When you were going to eat, pray during that time. If, you were going, if you're going to skip breakfast, then pray during breakfast. If you're going to skip lunch, then pray during lunch. And worship God and get yourself centered. Now, what are you going to pray for? First, pray for yourself. Pray, pray, for, pray for personal growth. Pray for repentance, pray for unforgiveness. 
That's probably the thing that holds the church back more than anything is unforgiveness of not letting go of something that some or somebody, something they did to you and you're holding on to it. And God wants to move in your life to cleanse it. So pray for unforgiveness. Now, for the church, pray for the pastors and leadership for Niji and I and our family. Pray for Lucas and Cole and Melissa. Pray for the worship team. Pray for the children. Pray for children's pastors. That's one of our goals for this year is to bring on full-time children's pastors as well as a full-time youth pastor and an outreach pastor and an administrator. So pray for those things because nothing gets done in this world that's eternal unless we pray about it first. Prayer paves the way for it to happen. Pray for church growth. Here's what I want you to pray for church growth, that we have a tangible presence of God in the service, that we have a tangible presence of God. People feel God when they walk into this building. Pray for a word from heaven every week, that it's not just somebody up here just spewing out or regurgitating somebody else's teaching, but you're hearing from God, equipping you, doing what, doing, equipping you to do what you're called to do. Pray for a spirit of evangelism. Pray for salvation and rededications every week. And guys, this is very important. This year, we want to grow the church to an average attendance of 300 on Sunday. So pray for that. How are we going to do that? We're going to have a tangible presence of God. We're going to have a word directly from heaven because you've prayed it through. We've got a spirit of evangelism, and we're seeing salvations and rededications every week. Okay? Now, don't worry. This isn't the whole message. We're going to get through this. The second thing we want you to pray for is finances. To do what we're called to do, you know, God just doesn't show up at the airport, you know, if you're on a missions trip and give you a plane ticket. Usually you got to pay for it, so it takes some money. So we want you to pray that this church and the ministry becomes debt-free. We'd love to do it this year. So here's how we're going to do that. You're going to pray that we have this piece of land, eight and a half acres on Southeast 14th. We're praying that that sells this year, and that'll go against the debt. We're going to pray that the state historic tax credits come through. Those two things alone can cause at least this part of the property to be completely debt-free. We pray for a regular increase in tithes and offerings. Pray for revival of KLM Ministries and their partnership. Now, you guys don't probably know what that is, but we reach somewhere between uh, what was that number? 147 million, or what? No, it's 347 million people we reached last year on just on Facebook between our two sites. We're seeing salvations all the time, and there are people outside of this church that help us do that financially, and we need to revive that partnership base. So if you're going to pray for uh, finances, we're going to pray that we're debt-free, the sale of the land, historic tax credits go through, regular increase of tithes and offerings, and a revival of the monthly partnership. Last thing, pray for the cathedral family that we have a flow of of the Spirit of God into power. Pray for the gifts of the Spirit to be in operation. Pray for miracles, signs, and wonders. They're not going to happen unless we pray. And this this 21 days of fasting, guys, these things will be up on the website and they'll be on the app. If you haven't downloaded the app, I want you to do that. That way you can stay connected daily with the things that are going on for these 
21 days of fasting and prayer. One last thing. We're starting tomorrow. So on the 22nd, don't eat before you come to church. We're going to break fast together with communion. And then I'm sure we'll figure out something to have over there so we can all kind of just, you know, fellowship and, and maybe pig out afterwards. But um, don't break your fast on the morning. Break your fast in the evening with the worship service. We're expecting a real move of God during that time. Okay, praise the Lord. Did I do okay? Thank you very much. All right, today's message. All things are new. Everybody say that. All things are new. All things are new. If there's one thing that holds the church back, if there's one thing that holds us back from reaching our potential is we tend to hold on to the past. And maybe it's not past mistakes. Maybe it's past successes. You know, we, we could have hit a high point in our life and, and we, we we're not there right now and we're looking to the past saying those were the good old days. And that If you hold on to that, you're never going to be able to get to the future that God intends for you. And this is, this is the beginning of a brand new year. We've all got a clean slate this year. 2023 is, is here. And it, it could be a year that God moves in your life, or it could be a year just like last year and the year before that and the year before that. That's why we're starting with 21 days of fasting and prayer, so that we get ourselves together. 2023 and New Year's doesn't have to be a year of New Year's resolutions. As a matter of fact, I don't know if that's necessarily a good idea because we usually fail within the first 14 days. Some people fail within the first 14 hours. And then you beat yourself up and you start the year beating yourself up. So maybe that's not the, the idea that uh, what we're trying to get is, to, is we start the year clean on a clean slate and we want to end the year with a clean slate. But here's the thing, we want to do that, but we know we're going to make mistakes in the middle. So that's what we're talking about. All things are new. Psalms 118.24 is something I hope that every one of you, when you wake up in the morning, We'll do this, say this, quote this, mean this. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day the Lord has made. I will, re I'm going to make a decision. I am going to rejoice and I am going to be glad in it. This is the day. Es este día, Señor, hizo, whatever he said. This is the day the Lord has made. I'm going to choose to rejoice. I'm not going to wait to see how the day feels. I'm not going to see how things pan out. I'm not, go I'm not going to try to experience the day to decide whether or not it's going to be a good day. I pray that this year you wake up every single morning, and the first thing you do is you slap your hands together, and you say, this is the day. You make a declaration over your day. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice, and I'll be glad. In it. No matter what comes, it's going to be a good day because he made it, and he's with me. And I am choosing to make it a good day through the power that God has put inside of me and him around me. Psalms 118.24, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and I'll be glad in it. See, we can't enjoy our present when we continue to be frustrated with our yesterday. 
If you wake up, and I know some of you do, you wake up and you put your, you've kicked your feet over on the other side of the bed, and it's almost like there's a demon at the other side of the bed, and he starts talking to you about what happened yesterday and what happened a year ago, and then he takes that and he says, then this is what's going to happen today and tomorrow and the next day. Well, you break that cycle, you put your hands together, you clap them hard, and you say, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and I will be glad in it, and you begin to transform your day with that declaration. Lamentations 3, verse 22 says this Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassion never fails. His mercies, they are new every morning, and great is his faithfulness. Every single morning, God's mercies and his compassion are new for you. I want you to get that. We're coming into 2023, and it's a new year. So it's easy for us to think it's a new day. Our slate has been cleaned. The record is gone. We're starting fresh. And if we could make it through 364 days, we're going to have a wonderful year. No, no, no. You're going to have a bad day. Some of you may have a bad week. We will have challenges. We will have trials. But hey, this is the day the Lord has made. I'm going to rejoice and be glad in no matter what comes my way. And here's the good thing. Today may suck, but tomorrow his mercies are new. I get a start, I get a restart every single day. And I need to remind myself of that. I need to get up in the morning and, and we need to get up in the morning and we declare over our day, this is going to be a good day. God has made it and with his help, I am going to rejoice in it. I've got a clean slate today. I've got a clean slate this morning. And the truth is, I'm going to have a clean slate tomorrow morning. And I'm going to have a clean slate next week on Monday. And I'm going to have a clean slate 223 days from today when I wake up. And so will you. So you make a couple resolutions and you fail. So what? Start again tomorrow. Every 24 hours, every 24 hours, you get a new start. Every sunrise, you get a new beginning. You see, just because you have a bad three weeks doesn't mean the whole month is gone. Doesn't mean the whole month is ruined. You've got a week left that God can bless you, that God can increase you, that God can multiply you, that God could restore things that are lost. Just because three weeks were bad doesn't make the month bad. You get a new start every single day because all things are new. The truth is, yesterday is gone. And it will never be again. Why do we live in the past? Yesterday is gone. The mistakes you made yesterday have been made. It, it, the mistakes that you made yesterday with God and his mercies will not write your future. Your future isn't determined by your past. Your future is determined by your present. 
So, so squeeze every drop of now out of today. Squeeze every drop of life out of today. And realizing that what happened last year, what happened 10 years ago, what happened in that divorce, what happened when that business failed, it doesn't matter. That's in the past. Today is a new day. It's a clean slate. It's a clean start. It's new for you and it's new for me. So this is the day God has made and I'm going to rejoice and I'm going to do something with it and I'm going to be glad while I I do it. His mercies are new for me today. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. When you come to Christ... Your old man is removed, not your dad, not your husband, your, who you used to be. Jesus said that you put new wine into new wineskins. Your old spirit, when you come to Christ, is taken out. So it doesn't exist anymore in you. And you were given a new spirit, and then God puts his spirit inside of your new spirit, the new wine into new wineskins, so that you could have the vitality of God daily. The weakness that you experienced yesterday doesn't have to affect the strength of today because this is a new day. This is a new start. This is a new beginning. And I'm not trying to tell you just because it's January 1st, 2023, these things are true. I'm trying to tell you it's new every single day that you wake up and you make the decision to rejoice and be glad and see God in your presence. See, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. And he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. I think God was reconciling the world to himself. Listen to me, please. Not counting people's sin against them. When you come, please get this this morning. Please hear this this morning. When you come to Christ and you sin, there is a record in heaven, but God won't hold it against you. And what, what happens is we, we, tend to, we tend to fixate on our failures. And when we fixate on our failures, we, we mess up our future. And the truth is, it's not God who's making it difficult. Because God's not holding it against you. Now, there's a record, and we're going to talk about that here in a minute. Regarding our past sins, let me help you. I better set this up a little bit. Have you ever beat yourself up with your thoughts? Have you ever told yourself, you're no good, you keep doing this, you're a failure, I, I, I'm going to be sorrowful, I feel terrible about myself? And you, you, you just get in this habit of tearing yourself down. Why do we do that? I'll tell you one reason we do it. It's because we think if we hurt 
bad enough. Somehow these scales of justice are going to be balanced and we've suffered enough and agony in our own mind, anguish, beating ourselves up. Somehow that is going to cause forgiveness to come and cause the thing not to affect our future anymore. And that is simply a lie from hell because God's not holding your sin against you. It's not the thing that you did yesterday that's affecting your today. It's your faith in his ability to move in the present that will rewrite your future. Praise the Lord. He's not counting your sins against you. See, in verse 21, it says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so we might become the righteousness of God. On the cross, Jesus bore our sins so we could be the righteousness of God. That has to do with his attitude towards you. Everybody say righteousness. What does it mean to be righteous? Simple. You are right with God. Doesn't mean you're right with yourself. Doesn't mean you're right with the law, but you're right with God. It's a position in Christ. Because you're in him, you're right with God. That is something you're born into. It's not something you earn. See, that earning mentality creeps in, and we try to beat ourselves up enough as if that is going to change God's mind about us when we've suffered enough. And Jesus bore our sins on the cross and suffered the agony of death for us so we wouldn't have to. There is no wrath left for us. That doesn't mean we live any old way. That means that we're free to live out of the power of God. Are you hearing me? Regarding our past sins, our humanity, our human tendency is to inflict self-mental anguish in attempts to pay for our weakness, our failures, and our mistakes. Isaiah 53 says this in verse 4. Surely Jesus did it for you. Surely what he did on the cross for you was enough. Surely what Jesus did by becoming sin with your sin was enough for you to walk into the righteousness of God. To walk in the righteousness of God. He says, surely he took up our pain and he bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God. God stricken by him and afflicted. But Jesus was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And the punishment that brought us peace was upon him. By his wounds, we've been healed. So I wake up. And I start to think about the things that happened 10 years ago, the failures of five years ago, the mistakes that I made yesterday, and I start to beat myself up mentally as if I'm going to pay for it somehow through suffering that way, and God's going to be okay when finally I get to suffer enough. There is no point because he bore our sins on the cross for us. Now, this is important. When I think I have to feel bad about me, so I could be okay with somebody else or God. I am literally saying what Jesus did on the cross was not enough to pay for my failures. I'm saying to myself, and I'm saying to everybody who knows me, I have to suffer because he didn't suffer enough. 
God didn't know what the price for, for, for my forgiveness would be. God didn't know how much it would really cost to have my guilt and my condemnation taken away. God didn't really know how much it was going to take for Jesus to suffer so I could feel good about myself again. That's what we're saying. On the cross, 1 Peter 2.24, he himself bore our sins in his body so that we might die to sin. So we don't have the sin nature doesn't have a power over us that we can't say no to. So we could die to sin and begin to live for righteousness because by his wounds, what he suffered on that cross, what he suffered when he was whipped, what he suffered when they put the crown of thorns on his head, what he suffered when they pierced his hands and his feet, what he suffered when they drove the sword up into his side, what he suffered, those wounds are the evidence that he still bears today in heaven that says he did enough so you could feel good about yourself and rejoice in today and walk in the goodness of God and in the blessing of God for the rest of your days. Come on, give him a hand clap of praise. We can never measure up to today when we gauge ourselves by our past disappointments. We can, if you can put those on when I said, I that's why I got them bold. We'll never, we'll never live up to the standard of today when we measure ourselves or gauge ourselves by our past disappointments. You're going to have more. Disappointments. Don't be disappointed that you get disappointed. <laughs> Don't get frustrated because you're going through a trial. Don't think just because you're being tempted or you have a weakness or, or sickness and disease comes on you that you did something wrong. Jesus said Satan comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus said, I come so they might have be the life and life more, more abundantly. He said that you might live an abundant life, and that begins with joy. And joy comes when we make the decision to rejoice in the day that the Lord has made. And that is not tomorrow. It is today we have a clean slate. Today we have a new start. Today we can rewrite our lives in our future. Today we can make changes that will have eternal impacts in the lives of other people. Romans chapter 6, verse 10 says this, The death that Jesus died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way that Jesus died to sin and he was risen again and lives for God. In that same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive in Christ Jesus. Okay, let's break it down. Consider yourselves, because Christ is in you. Muerto, tucados, dead to sin. Dead to sin. If you are, have you ever heard anybody say something to a family member, you are dead to me? That means you can no longer make me feel good. You can no longer make me feel bad. As far as I'm concerned, you don't even exist. You're dead to me. Consider your sin dead to you. Consider yourself dead to sin. It can no longer affect you like it used to. 
I used to could not quit. I, in the past, I couldn't quit smoking. In the past, I couldn't quit cursing. In the past, I couldn't quit chasing after girls. In the past, I couldn't quit drinking. But I'm not that way anymore because I'm dead to that sin. It doesn't affect me anymore. Now, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to make a conscious decision to do it. It's not that I couldn't stop myself. Because if you say you couldn't stop yourself and you're born again, you're a lying. I'm sorry, I almost said a bad word. You're lying. Because you're saying what he did wasn't enough to break the power of sin in your life. Don't confuse being sinless with having the power of sin broken. Don't confuse perfection with attaining this ability of having this power of sin broken in your life. You are, you see, when, when he died on the cross, your sin nature died with him. You still have a propensity to weakness because you're in the flesh, yes. You're always going to want to eat more. You're always going to want to drink more. You're always going to want to make yourself feel good. You're always going to want to protect yourself. That's part of just being in this body that's not redeemed yet. But the thing that I couldn't say no to is dead. It died on the cross 2,000 years ago. Consider, think this way, that you are dead to sin. Because sin cannot dictate your future anymore. You've been set free from the power of sin and even death. Because God's eternal life is in you. Greater is he who is in you than he that is in the world. And if the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, he'll give you the God kind of life, the quality of life, even in your mortal flesh, even in your carne, even in your mortal flesh, even in your body. You've been redeemed. Romans chapter 6, verse 11 again. In the same way, count or consider yourselves dead to sin, but alive to Christ. When you wake up in the morning and you put your hands together and you say, this is the day that the Lord has made, I will rejoice and be glad in it. You're saying, I am dead to sin, but I'm alive to Christ. I'm going to live today. I'm going to squeeze every drop of now out of today. I'm going to find God's destiny for me today, and I'm going to cooperate with it. I'm going to walk in God's best today because greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Sin is dead to me, but I'm alive to Christ because his spirit is inside of me and he'll never leave me and he'll never forsake me. I can do all things through Christ that is within me. I can do all things through Christ within me. When you wake up in the morning, your Christ battery is charged. Your flesh may not be very lively. Your mind may be a little slow until you had that first cup of coffee, but your spirit is charged and ready to go because his mercies are new every single day. He sees you every single morning, just like the day that you gave yourself to him and you committed your life to him. And then you're going to make a decision. Am I going to walk in this power and in this grace or am I going to walk below it? So that's why you say, this is a day that he's made. I'm going to rejoice. 
and I'm going to be glad in it. If he doesn't remember our sins any longer, then why do we put so much emphasis on our past sins? In this conversation, how many of you have thought of one or two of your past sins? Come on, be honest. Okay, I have, right? Big failures, small failures, things that kept popping up. If he doesn't remember them, if he chooses to not, if he chooses to conduct himself towards you as if it never happened, then why do we put so much emphasis, self-emphasis on our past Failures, mistakes, and sins. You want to know why? Because we don't really believe that what he did was enough. We don't really believe that we're dead to the power of that sin. I committed that thing, therefore I have to pay the price for it. No, you don't. No, you don't. He paid, if you, if you put it underneath the blood of Jesus, if you ask for forgiveness, then he cleansed you of all unrighteousness. He forgave you. That means you've got that new start. That thing no longer has power in your life, but I don't feel like it. Who cares about your feelings? What matters is what he thinks. He chooses to remember it no longer. Psalms 103 says that Jesus took as far as the east is from the west, so he has removed our transgressions or our sins from us. Take, take both your hands. Will you put one all the way out here? Take the other one. Put it out the other way if you can. Now listen, and extend a line. As far Are they ever going to touch? We're not saying we're going to follow the globe. As far as the east is from the west, do they ever touch? No. Your sin is that far away from you because it's been carried to a place of forgetfulness and death. Micah 7, 19 says this, you, God, will again have compassion on us. You will tread our sin underfoot and hurl our iniquities, our sins, into the depths of the sea. When Jesus bore your sin in his body on the cross, I want you to get this. I want you to think it of something literal. Think, it, think, think of it as a post-it note. Write your sin down on that post-it note. Walk up to the cross 2,000 years ago and put that post-it note on Jesus' body. And Jesus died, and he took all those post-it notes with him, and he carried them to a sea of forgetfulness. And he threw them in a place where they can no longer touch you anymore. It's so far away from who you are today. It's as far as the east is from the west. They will never touch each other again. You are freed from the power of that sin because that post-it note is gone. He took it into hell and burned it. He took it to hell and destroyed it. He took it to hell and gave it back to the one who gave it to you. It no longer is in this realm, but there's a memory of it. What he did was enough to overcome that memory. What he did was enough to set you free. But he knew you and he knew me, so he said, you might have to reset every morning. You might have to rethink every morning. You might have to remind yourself of what I did yesterday for you. 
You might have, you might have to remind yourself of what I did 2,000 years ago. You might have to do it. Here's how you do it. Put your hands together. Clap them really hard and say, this is a day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and I'm going to be glad in it. We will never envision ourselves being successful when we keep looking at our failures. Is Jesus looking at your failure? Is he shining a light? He's got a spotlight from heaven. He's shining down on the past on that one event. You think he's doing that? Does he have a spiritual magnifying glass and he's looking down in your heart for that little remnant of that thing and he's he's just going to show it to you? That's not him because he's not counting your sin against you. He took your sin and put it to death. He threw it as far as the east and from the west. He put it into a sea of forgetfulness and he chooses to conduct himself towards you as if it never happened. So why do we fixate on it? Because we don't really believe what he did was enough. The chastisement of his soul brought you peace. We're talking, about, we're talking about the battlefield of the mind here. We're talking about the battle you fight in your mind. Every single one of us knew it. When they put that crown of thorns on him, it was a physical thing that caused physical damage. But here's, here's the thing that hurt his head. Here's the thing that hurt his soul. Here's the thing that was chastised him when they started telling, oh, if you really are God, come on down from there. Oh, you healed everybody else. Heal yourself. You ain't nobody. You're from, you're from, Naz, from Nazarene. No, but nothing good comes from Nazareth. That was the chastisement of his soul. And they watched him take his clothes and gamble for him. He was crucified with two people who were sinners. Can you imagine the mental anguish he went through? But there was a physicalness to it, the crown that was put on his head that pierced his brow, maybe even went into his temples a little bit, and blood flowed from that. There was a, something physical because you had to see something in the, in the physical realm that you could identify with. The, the, the ache of the mind, the ache of the head, the, the swelling of those thorns going in, the chastisement of his soul, he brought you peace. He paid the price so you don't have to suffer in your mind anymore about that past sin. 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and he's just and he's going to forgive our sins and he'll purify us from all unrighteousness. What is righteousness? Being right with God. He forgives And then he clears the way for you to be right with God. It's our job to accept it. Hold on. He shed his blood. There is no forgiveness of sin without the shedding of blood. God shed his blood so that you could have eternal forgiveness for that thing. Things, lifestyle, whatever it is or was. He shed his blood so the penalty would be paid for because the penalty of sin is death. He shed his blood. The witness is the blood sitting in heaven that he paid for the sin. Then he took your sin and he threw it in the sea of forgetfulness, took it to death, destroyed it, annihilated it so it has no power over you. And then he gives you this cleansing experience of righteousness. Do you remember it? When you got born again. 
Or maybe you rededicated your life and you just felt that washing and the peace that the past didn't matter anymore. That was the gift of righteousness. Do you remember when you gave your life to the Lord and you surrendered everything to him? You didn't know how to do it, but you did. And this, 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 this rush came through you and over you and on you. And all of a sudden, you couldn't explain it, but you're good with God. That's the gift of righteousness. When you sin, and you will, just try not to sin repeatedly. Be quick to repent. If we confess our sin, he's faithful. And just to forgive us of our sin, because it's been paid for. And then he's going to give you that gift of righteousness. He's going to purify you. Just like that born-again experience. And theologians and, and, and some teachers get upset when they hear me say this. I get born again, again, and again, and again. I've been born again, again so many times, it's crazy. I get, every time I sin, I need to get born again. And what I'm saying is I need to experience that righteousness fresh and new every single time. I have, need to have that knowing in my heart. The only thing that keeps that knowing from manifesting in my heart is my stupid head. So I tell my head to submit to the word of God and submit to my spirit. Because my spirit knows I'm okay with God. My head says I'm not. Do you know what I'm saying? My spirit knows I'm good with God. My head says I'm not. Even after I've asked for forgiveness, my head is trying to say I'm not. So I've got to renew it and say, hey, listen, he who knew no sin was made to be sin. Listen to me, Kenny. When he died on the cross, he became sin with my sin. So I could die to sin and begin to live for righteousness. By his wounds, I've been healed. Listen, Kenny, by his stripes, I've been Heal. Listen, Kenny, I count myself dead to sin. It no longer has any power over me. But the power of God is available in my life, and I choose it. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. We can't see our future that God intends for us if we're looking at our past. Here's the future God has for you. Jeremiah 29, verse 11. God says, for I know the plans I have for you. Let me, let me put it into English in a, a more modern way. I know the mess that you've made. I know every little thing you did. I know the things that you did on purpose and said you're going to ask me for forgiveness later. I know your weaknesses. I know your failures. I know the things you struggle with. I know how you convince yourself that it's okay if you do it. I know all of that. But I have a plan for you. Plans to prosper you, not, not to harm you. See, I, I did that on the cross. I have plans to, to bless you, not to hurt you. I have plans to, to, to revitalize you. Esperanza, your hope. I have, I have plans for, for you to see your futura, your future. I have this for you. Then, then you will call on me and you will pray. And listen, he says, I'm not going to close my ears to you. I'm going to listen to you. And you'll seek me and you will find me no matter what you did. If you seek me with all of your heart, I can't seek God with all of my heart if I can't see my future in his hands. And I can't see my future in his hands when I'm fixated on the past. God wants to give you hope. Esperanza in su corazón, 
en su espíritu para, para su futuro. In your heart and in your spirit, in your mind, mente, God wants to give you this hope of a good future no matter how bad you have messed it up. The Apostle Paul literally put people to death. And God had a future for him. He had hopes. He had a plan. And the Apostle Paul reached the Gentile world and, and he wrote one-third of the New Testament. The Apostle Paul was used by God, but he was a mess. David knew God and he sinned and he sinned and he sinned and he sinned. But yet God said, he's a man after my own heart. Why? Because he said, God, I know if I ask you for forgiveness, I am granted forgiveness. And a lot of the scripture we quote, quote about this gift of righteousness comes from the Psalms that David wrote. Do you realize Moses wasn't a perfect person? Noah wasn't a perfect person? Peter wasn't a perfect person? It's not about not messing up. Now, there is a, there is a facet in there that we don't mess up as frequently, and we don't mess up as, as deeply as we grow in Christ, as we mature in Christ, it seems like there's more distance in between and the mess up isn't so drastic. But, but listen, we're all going to sin and he knows that. That's why he, he doesn't count your sin against you. So why should you? But now listen, you can't deal in this type of righteousness until you learn to confess your sin to God. Unconfessed sin is unforgiven sin. Well, I thought he's not counting it against me. He's not, but you are. There's a record of it. The record isn't expunged until you confess it. Are you hearing me? Confessing it doesn't necessarily mean that you understand it all either. Say, God, you know what? I did that thing, and I know that's not what you would have done, and, and I, I don't want to do it anymore. Just help me. Help me next time. Remind me next time. And then what happens? Cleans the slate. That's not affecting your life now. That's eternal. But he cleans that slate, and then he begins to wash you and cleanse you. You seek him with all your heart, and he washes you of the guilt. He washes you of the condemnation. He washes you of the conviction. And that gift of righteousness, hudistio, hudistio, righteousness is given to you all over, fresh and anew. You know, something that really ticks me off is when Christians say, oh, yeah, people in the church are terrible. Oh, people in the church, they say they believe one thing and then they go out and they sin and they do another. Listen, of course we do. We're no worse in the world. We're actually getting better. But we can cleanse ourselves through confession. Please understand, a Christian isn't meant to be perfect. We are being perfected. It's not about the destination, it's about the journey. And you'll never enjoy the journey. You'll never see God in, in your present when you're so fixated and focused on your past. All things are new in Christ. Every day. Take advantage of it recognize him 
Oh, Lord, this is the day you've made. Your mercies are new today. I mean, I'm, getting, I'm just getting right now. <laughs> Your mercies are new. Your grace is new. Your love is fresh. I'm going to rejoice in this day because, you know, I don't, have to, I don't have to fix that mess back there. That's a mess. I, thank you. Thank you. It's gone. It has no power over me. I'm dead to the effect of that thing, but I'm alive unto you because your spirit's in me. Man, let's make it a good day, God. Let's make it a good week, God. Let's make this an awesome month. Let's make this a year of impact. I have 365 times to reset. I, used, I didn't even get that many resets in Sonic the Hedgehog when I used to play it. 365. Wow. What a future you have. Destiny is awaiting you. The dreams that you had when you felt good with God are still attainable. They're still available. No, you haven't wasted the best part of your life. God knew exactly where you'd be. He can move mountains. He can move governments. He can change things that you've got in your life in a minute. Just seek him with all your heart. 